Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the adoptive mother of four kids. I don't just talk about adoption, I live adoption. We are a multiracial family, and you can see we are an adoptive family everywhere we go. We answer questions daily in public and really feel like it's our mission to encourage people to adopt, but also to educate how to go about it. If you're new to Adoption Now, all of our stories are on iTunes. You can find those at adoption-now.com. We tell stories from the perspective of the adoptive parents, birth parents, and adoptee. We talk about foster care, embryo adoption, private infant adoption, and international adoption. So if you go to adoption-now.com, there is a story for you to connect. I guarantee it. And connection is so important to us and to our community. So recently, we started a new blog called Adoption Is. We have guest writers, I write on it, and it's a place to learn more about adoption. So you can check that out on our website as well. We now do Saturday suggestions on Instagram, just little tips to help you on your adoption journey. So we would love for you to follow us there. And if you have a story you'd like to share, we would love for you to reach out and apply to be on the show. Also, if you want to be a guest blogger on Adoption Is, you can submit a blog under 800 words about what adoption is to you. Okay, so today we have a great story, and it fits perfect with what's going on in our lives. I have a story for you, of course, an April story. They're always so exciting. But this one is good. This one is encouraging. I was at Walmart, and you know, if you have a family that is interracial or transracial. You have many ethnicities in your family. Sometimes going out to Walmart is the worst place you can go. I don't know why it is. Walmart is so funny, but people will stop and say the craziest things like, hey, how much were those kids? Or how come you chose interracial kids? Why don't you adopt white kids? I mean, the rudest things. So often when people approach us, my kids get super nervous And so this lady came up to us and I was with my daughter, Vivi, who's three and a half and she was African-American and she said, I love your daughter. She's so cute. And I was like, oh, thank you. A little nervous. And she said, "Um, I just love adoption so much. And so I I could tell that she, she was friendly and that she was genuine and Vivi was nervous, but then Vivi started to smile. You know, she was proud that this lady was being so kind to her. And she said, you know, how are you doing as an adoptive mom? And I said, oh, I I love my kids. I mean, we're doing great. We actually have her biological sister. And she said, oh my gosh, I am a foster mom. And I had nine daughters, nine children. And she said, my mom is Caucasian. And I was like, what? And she's like, I know. And she's like, and I know what you're going through. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, I know what people say and I know how nasty they can be. And I just want to tell you, you're doing such a great job. This little girl is so happy and you can see it on her face. And I'm sorry for people who say racist things to you or things that are inappropriate to you because you can see the heart of what you are doing as a mother and how this child is responding. And people need to be looking at the heart and not the color of their skin. And I was like, what is happening at Walmart right now? I feel like crying. And she was just amazing. And she encouraged me. And you know what? At the end of the day, 
she used her voice and she gave me life. And I think that that is so important to use our words to give life. And she encouraged me as a mother. She didn't see me as a threat. She didn't say rude things. She didn't ask me how much they were. She just came up and said, you're doing a great job. Another story where we can just walk away and feel encouraged. And I'm always, I'm always about that. I always come back to that, right? Is that we need to be encouraging other families and that we need to help mothers feel supported. Anyways, I just had to tell that story because I put it on Facebook and everybody that has an interracial family, they were like, that's amazing. I can't believe it. So today I'm excited because we have an adoptive mom on. She does have an interracial family. Lori Tapero is an adoptive mother of four and she adopted through the foster care system. She now shares her story to inspire women who cannot conceive to adopt children. Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Can you believe that story? That's pretty amazing because you're right. Some people really look at you, give you funny looks of like, why did you choose an African-American child or why don't you stay within your boundaries kind of thing? So I understand that. And I've seen those looks too. And have you had somebody come up and say, you're amazing and you're doing a great job? Not out in the public so much, but I just get a lot of support from family and friends in the area that I'm in. Um, if I ever do get to tell my story to somebody, then I, I definitely get encouraged at that point. Isn't that so important? It is. It is because you are taking on a hard task and some days aren't easy. So any chance of getting encouragement is truly amazing. So true. Okay, Lori, we're going to talk about your story. Why did you and your husband choose adoption? Well, my husband and I um, tried to have children for about 16 years, and I ended up having to have an emergency hysterectomy. So that kind of put the end to us actually being able to have our own. And through a mutual friend, we heard about Foster Adopt. And so we just really felt like God led us in that direction, that he closed the door for us to have our own. But we knew we still had such a desire for children that this was a new avenue that God was taking us down. So what did that look like? Did you call up your county? Well, we had a friend who knew a, a CPA, it's Child Protection Agency, and gave us their number. And so we went in and started interviewing with them. And they were the catalysts in bringing us and, and connecting us with the state. They work with all counties. And so we weren't limited just to our little county that we're in. And they gave us all the information and we started the process and went through getting all of our licensing and all that done. How long did you wait before you got a placement? Well, we had our very first placement probably six months. We had a little girl we picked up from the hospital. And then they called about two days later and said that there had been a mistake and that she should never have left her mom. So they came and picked that little girl up. And that was in August um, of 2010. And then our first placement that we actually adopted, we got in December 12th of 2010. So when the first little girl left, were you devastated? Yes. And I can say that we were very naive because, you know, we had waited so long for children. And, you know, my heart was to have a baby. I've, I've wanted a baby since I was a little girl. And when they said, you know, this looks like a really good match, you know, that this is a good opportunity for you. We, we just kind of set our hearts on that. And when they called, we were absolutely devastated, you know, being our first child in foster care. And we learned a lot from that, you know, that nothing mm -hmm. is ever as it appears and, you know, that there's always risk. 
Mm -hmm. So were you scared to say yes to the next baby? We weren't really scared, but we, we had our hearts opened a little bit more to not like getting so set on, this is going to be the one, this is just an opportunity that God gave us. So we, we kind of had our hearts set a little differently when that, when the next call came in in December. So what was this little baby story? We got a call. We were sitting in the eye doctor's office and all the way into the eye doctor, I just kept saying, okay, phone ring, phone ring, phone ring. Come on, God, let that phone ring. And and the phone rang. And anytime that number came up that had our agency, your heart just leaps into your throat. And so she answered the phone and she said, well, we have a little boy that was just born at 10 o'clock this morning. You know, would you like to come pick him up? And we said, absolutely. And he had just been born. So we had to wait till the next day. And then they called and said he had some jaundice. And so, you know, my heart was like, okay, here we go again. Maybe things are not going to work out. But then the next morning, it was a Sunday morning, and the doctor actually called and said, are you ready to come pick up your little boy? And we, my mom and I went into the, into the hospital, and we got to pick Jeremiah up. He was just two days old. Why didn't the birth mother take him home? She had had three previous children who had been taken away, and she had just a lot of mental disability and would was just not able to handle a child, you know, didn't have the means necessary to do it. And mentally, she just, you know, couldn't answer the questions that they had asked her. They they have a set set of questions in the hospital. Okay. And if you can't answer some of them, then they immediately call foster care. Did you think that he was going to be your forever child? Not at that moment. I had the opportunity to pray for her. And we, we kind of had a bond that day. You know, my heart was breaking for her because I can't imagine sitting across from an, a strange person going to take your child home. But we didn't really know her story much at that moment. We knew that she had had other children, but that's all they really told us. And then the next day, then we kind of got a fill in and a meeting with her and their caseworker and all that that gave us a little bit of hope because she had had, you know, three previous children that were removed from the home and not given back. Your story just makes me think about when we first adopted and how you walk into somebody else's grief and chaos. And you don't really think about that, right? You just think about getting the baby. Or when you have a biological child, you're in the hospital. It's just so joyful and you're excited. And you feel like that as an adoptive mom in the first placement. You're like, it's going to be similar to that. And it's different. You walk in and there's chaos and is this your baby? And you're meeting a mother that you are grieving for and it's broken. And so if you're thinking about adoption, you got to be ready to embrace the broken. You got to be ready to embrace the chaos. You got to be ready to feel joy and deep sadness at the same time. It's a lot. It takes special people to show up in the hospital. Did they pre-warn you that that is what it would be like? No. In fact, um, on the way to the hospital, they just called and said the birth mom wants to be in the room with you, which, you know, kind of was surprising and made me a little nervous. And, and in, when you're heading into the hospital to pick up someone else's baby, my thought also was, I'm going to walk in there and these nurses are going to be like, mm-hmm, here she is to pick up this poor lady's child. Mm-hmm. And it was completely the opposite. They welcomed us like, mm-hmm. thank you for being, being willing to take this child. So that was a, a relief just beyond anything I can even even say, because I was so nervous about them looking at me like I'm this awful person. Mm-hmm. And they were so thankful that there are people that will take a child that's just been born and needs a home to to stay in. So did you bond to him immediately? I mean, did you just love him? Oh, yeah. He was absolutely a beautiful child. I mean, like the prettiest baby I've ever seen and just perfect features. And 
Yeah, he was he was very special right from the beginning. And my mother had gone with me to the hospital because my husband was at work, and you know she bonded right away too. And yeah, so it was it was just an cre- incredible moment to okay, we're taking this child home, and you couldn't take pictures and post them on Facebook like most moms do, you know, mm-hmm. going home. So we took plenty of pictures, but we just kind of had to store them away until the actual adoption day. So how long did you wait? I mean, did you think we want to adopt more children in the midst of that? Yes, I've always had in my heart four children. I mean, I I come from a big family. I love big families, and I definitely wanted more than one. Okay, so you're in the process. You've got Jeremiah. Did you get to name him? We could have changed it at adoption day, but that was the name she gave him, and we just really liked the name, and Mm -hmm. it just kind of fit him. And so we did not change his first name. We did, however, change his middle name to something of our family to kind of give a personal touch to the name. And what was his ethnicity? He was African-American and white. Okay, so you bring this baby home, you're totally bonded, you hope to adopt, and then what happens? Well, we had him for an entire year, and the mom, you know, kept doing somewhat what she was supposed to, so our visits got longer and longer and longer, and um, November of that year, they told us that they felt reunification with birth mom (gasps) was the answer, and so they told us they were sending him home. Oh my gosh. Wait, after almost a full year? Isn't the state really supposed to do that though in the first few months? I mean, how long can a mother keep doing just partly what she's supposed to? Well, and that was always our answer, but we, you know, we did have a young, really young caseworker and you know, we didn't really feel like they they were there for the child as much as they were there just to get Jeremiah back with birth mom. I mean, that's always the goal, which we understood mm-hmm. that meeting with her because we had had several occasions to talk with her and Jeremiah had um, had some hospital stay. So we'd spent time with her and we both knew this was not the answer, that this was wrong, that he did not need to go home, but that, you know, the county had decided that this was what was best for him. And so they, December, almost a year and one day later, they sent him home for good. And, and I had to take him back to her house and let him go. What was that like? It was probably the worst day of my life. You know, we had had our heart set on having a baby for so long. And then we had this baby in our home for an entire year. My whole family was bonded to him. And, you know, there were times when we would go to a visit and he would see this mom coming down the stairs and he would start crying and crawling over my shoulder because he didn't want to go. He didn't, he wasn't comfortable there. She didn't really play with him. She just kind of set him on the floor and let him just middle around a little bit. And so it was very hard. But I do remember that day after dropping everything off, as I said, I had a I had a really good relationship with the mom. So she said, you know, he loves you and, you know, thank you for taking care of him and we'll stay in contact. And I walked out of that door and on the way home, I was just crying and I'm like, God, this cannot be the plan for him. You know, he's a special little boy. This cannot be the plan that you have created for him. And in that moment, he said to me, trust me, I know what's best for Jeremiah. And it gave me such a peace that I knew at that moment also that I would get him back. And you I did. I did. And I even told my mom, by April, we will have this baby back. There's no way. You know, this is not God's plan in this home that's not proper, that's not right, that we all knew this was not good. And so I just, I relied on that word from God that we were going to be able to keep him at some point, And that's what I stood on. 
Did you get another placement in that time? We did. We got Jeremiah in December, and in April, they had called us, and they had a little boy who was 17 months old, and they they had an adoptive family for him, but they couldn't take him for about two months and asked if we could keep him for about two months. And um, he was 17 months old, so he came to live with us. And we actually got to meet the adoptive parents, which was kind of a an eye-opener. They, they really didn't it didn't fit you know they came to our house to visit with him and they, they just didn't bond they tell us the story fit. tell us well the um the parents were both in the school system not really teachers but more of like social and and a speech therapist type of situation and they came to the house with a big box of toys and and they sat on the floor and of course Eli that was his name goes running to the toys and and the the mom was like oh wait 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 what do you say first you know and Eli's kind of looking at her he's 17 months old and he she looks at her husband and says you pretend to be Eli and the husband says may I please play with these toys Oh you gosh. know, they were and, role playing in front yes. of the seventeen month old. Yes, and it was like they were they were testing him to see his ability. Could he talk? Could he his emotional state, his his mental ability, and the, the questions they would ask him and try to have him role play. And I'm like, he's seventeen months old. He's going to go jump right in the middle of all those toys. Right. Well, I told the story to our social worker, and she asked me where was the caseworker. They weren't there at the time. She said that was actually a caseworker's mistake because a caseworker should have been there to see everything going on, to see how the adoptive parents were going to bond, but also to take them aside and say, okay, so that's not going to work. You need a little bit more training. I mean, obviously they thought that that was a great test and that's how they were going to go about it. These are kids. These are real lives that need a home. And when you say yes to adoption, if you're looking for the perfect child or the perfect situation, do not adopt. Right. That's They were almost sizing him up to see if that is what they wanted. That's the feeling that I got from them, the, the questions they would ask him and try to make him do this or do that and role playing with her husband. They didn't get on the floor and, you know, ooh and all with him and goo goo and all that. No, it was very professional, very almost cold, you know, and, and the caseworker asked me, how'd you think it went? And I told her all of that. This is not a good fit. Mm-hmm. Did you feel protective of him? Yes. Yes. Because he'd been in our home only about two months, but he, he bonded with us. Like the day we picked him up, it was like he had been in our home forever and he, he really liked men. And so he, he bonded really well with my husband. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was like, this is not a good fit. You, you know, if you had to find somebody else, that's a better choice. So what did they ultimately decide? Well, when I, after I talked to the caseworker, she came out to the house and you know and said that the adoptive couple was really wishy-washy, and so they just told them it was not a good fit. And she said, "So you know, he's doing really well here. Would you like to adopt him?" And we said, "Absolutely," because we had bonded with him already, and we said yes. And then she said, "Well, he comes with a nine-year-old sister. Are you interested in her too?" What? Yes. And what'd you say? We said, absolutely. Let's, let's meet her. And, you know, let's, we are here to build our family as well as keep family together if we can. And so we set up a meeting and it sounded like she had some choice in the matter. So we did set up our first meeting with her and it was very interesting. We took both of the kids to the park and we sat down at the picnic table and she was nine 
almost 10. And she started firing questions to us like, what does my brother eat? Do you make him eat his vegetables? Where does he sleep? Does he sleep in a bed by himself? Does he have his own room? Where will he go, be going to school? Will he be riding the school bus? I mean, 50 questions. Uh-huh. She was interviewing you. She was. And she had had to have been mama, you know, for the first mm-hmm. seven months of his life. So she wanted to make sure that her brother was being treated well before she made a decision on us. Did you think that she was going to let you guys parent her? You know, we really were so inexperienced, so we didn't really know what to expect. And um, we knew she was very protective of him. And, you know, just by the questioning, you could tell that she she would be a mama in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, she was used to that, which was which was sad. And it was sad to us that she didn't, you know, we're like, hey, do you want some ice cream? Or do you want to play or something? And, and no, her first thought was of her brother. Wow. So you brought her home. And how did that work? We brought her to our house to just kind of see how things went. And then we had a, a, a date with her and, and Eli and some of my family was there. And we went to the zoo and just to kind of, you know, make it a, a bigger date. So you know, it wouldn't be so intense with just her and us. And she said, yeah, I think I could live here. And so she was, you know, very friendly and very open to it. And we showed her, you know, this will be your room, you know, if you decide to stay and, you know, we'll paint it any color you want and she she seemed pretty excited. Um, she had been in and out of several foster homes, and she couldn't be with her brother, which is what she wanted. And they couldn't find a home that would take them at the same because he was 17 months. Mm-hmm. No, he was only seven months at that time when he went into foster care, and she was about seven and a half. And they couldn't find a home to take him. So she was very excited to be back with her brother. I like that you gave her so many choices. I think that's so important, especially with an older child. They have to have a choice in the matter, right. you know, and so being told you have to do this, they've already lost so much. Right. And so being able to come in and being non-pushy and just saying, hey, is this something you would like? I mean, I feel like that probably changed her life. Right. And and it gave her sense of control over her own life, mm-hmm. you know, that she did get to make this decision and to even consider that this could be a permanent thing, you know, I think was big for her because she had been bounced around to a few different homes. And like I said, she didn't get to see her brother all that often because mom canceled visits so often that, you know, it would be a couple months before she ever saw her brother. Mm -hmm. So I think she was pretty excited at the idea of being in the same home. Yeah, that's so amazing. Okay, so you have a nine-year-old and that Eli, her brother, Mm -hmm. and you had Jeremiah. And so in December, you gave... Jeremiah back to his biological mother, but you had the two in your home still. Yes, that's How did they do with handing Jeremiah over? Bella was pretty sad because she, you know, she loves babies and she loved playing with them and helping take care of them. And Eli, I don't think really understood quite yet what was going on, but she was pretty sad that he'd be going home. Um, But then, you know, I told her again when I got home, you know, this isn't going to be permanent for him. You know, we will get him back. Wow, you had a lot of faith. Okay, we have to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to find out what happened and how you got the call to bring him back home. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Thank you so much for donating on Giving Tuesday. We are a nonprofit and love your help in telling adoption stories. If you missed Giving Tuesday, don't worry, you did not miss your chance to give. There is still time in 2018. You can go to adoption-now.com and click donate. If you have an adoption story you'd like to share, you can also apply to be on the show by clicking tell your story. Thank you so much for listening to Adoption Now and spreading the word about the show. We have grown 120% this year and your donation helps give adoption a voice. Thank you for telling your friends, churches, and agencies to tune in. Keep up the good work. We cannot wait for 2019. Now back to the show. 
Welcome back to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to Lori, the adoptive mother of four. In her story, she has brought home a little baby. She has gotten a 17-month-old. She found out the 17-month-old had a nine-year-old sister. So she had all three when she gets a phone call that the state is going to reunify the baby. So Jeremiah has now gone home with his biological mother, after a year, and you really felt like this was your child. What happened? I mean, you knew that he was going to come back to you, but I mean, that's really hard to have faith when you really don't know. When did you get the call? Well, we had been seeing Jeremiah off and on. The birth mom actually let me see him, and and he came and spent like seven nights at my house off and on during the two and a half months. Okay. So you had a good relationship, as you said, with her. Right. And so we called the caseworker and said, you know, what's going on with this case? And and, because we hadn't heard anything. And she said, you know what, I'm going to court in an hour and a half on this case. Give me everything you had. Because we had a lot of concerns. You know, he had horrible diaper rashes. He had bed bugs at one point. You know, the way he would eat when he came home, he was hitting his head on the floor Mm. because he was angry. And so we had a lot of concerns. So we gave her everything we could think of at that moment. And she said, I'll call you back and let you know. And, you know, we kind of thought, well, this could be it. Maybe not. We don't we don't really know. And like two hours later, the birth mom called me back and I was driving home and I'm like, I just told on this birth mom. So I'm not answering the phone. And and my husband's like, just answer the phone. And I said, no, I, I can't answer it because I don't like confrontation. And then she called me again and he's like, answer the phone. So I did. And she was like, hey, Lori, the caseworker's here and needs to talk to you because the caseworker didn't have my number at that time. And they said, can you come get Jeremiah right now? We have orders to take him from the home. And two hours prior, when they said they were going to court, you know, I threw out the prayer request chain over everybody that I knew. Mm -hmm. And so in two and a half hours, they called back and she said, come pick up Jeremiah if you can't, if you want to. And we were like, of course, we will take him. Wait a second. The birth mother called you to tell you. Yes. She, she called me and said, Hey, here's the caseworker. She doesn't have your phone number. The caseworker wants to talk to you. I don't understand that though. Was she not upset that she was about to lose him? So she just couldn't do it. Well, I think she just didn't have the mental capacity to, to realize hey, I'm supposed to be really sad here or something. She never cried. She never showed any sad emotion. And that's what was very strange. But, you know, I would have thought she would be crying on the phone and mad at me because I'm taking her child again. Wow, this just blows my mind. And so she's calling you saying, okay, come get this baby. Did you think that was real? Absolutely, because the caseworker then got on the phone and, and said, you know, come get him. And I, after we hung up a little bit later, I called the caseworker and said, is there going to be a police officer there or are you going to be there? Because I didn't know how this was going to go. And she said, oh, no, she's fine. She knows you're coming. It's no problem at all. And then I asked her, you know, well, what was it that made you bring him out of the home again? And so she listed off a few things and she said, and her lying about the pregnancy. And I said, oh, she's pregnant again. And she said, no, she had a baby three weeks ago. <gasps> What? She had had another baby and the caseworkers who had been with her and the the GAL who had been with her for the past nine months, sometimes day, you know, a full day at a time and us who saw her quite often, nobody knew she was pregnant. Oh my gosh. So what does that mean? Well, so she went to the hospital and then called the caseworker and said, I'm, I'm having a baby. And they immediately took the baby from her. But we were not at that point connected back with her because once it went from fostering to re- reunification, it's a different caseworker. It's, it's like you're, you're not connected anymore. And so they took the baby and put him into another foster home. 
but she really wants the mom or the caseworker said the mom really wants you to have the new baby. What do you feel about another baby? And what did you feel about another baby? Uh, well, of course, I said, absolutely, we will take him, you know, knowing, number one, he's a baby. And that's what I really wanted. And that he was the brother of Jeremiah, who we already had. That's just incredible. It's like, so God. It, it absolutely was. And we have had more people say, I don't know how you got two babies. That is unheard of. Mm-hmm. And so I, I absolutely feel like God just completely filled the need that I had. I mean, I, I had come to the point of, you know, God, if we're not supposed to have babies or if it's something else, that's fine. You know, but he really knew my deep desire for babies. And so I had two brand new babies. You were obedient to reunify, right? You had to. Yes. But you did it with a heart of openness and you didn't shut the birth mother out. You kept that relationship where she let him come spend the night. Yes. And so you have this relationship and it was like, God just kind of blessed you and said, and here's another baby. Some people don't like to look at it that way, but it just feels like what a miracle. I mean, as a mother, I would be like, are you kidding? I'm getting another one. Right. It was very exciting because it's, yes, another, another baby. And, you know, and he was only about four weeks old at that time. And so we picked him up about three weeks later and from the, the foster home that had him. And yes, it was just amazing to have another you know, brand new baby in our home. So how was Jeremiah when he came back to you? He was very different. He was angry. Like I say, he would hit his head on the floor. The first night we tried to put him to bed in the crib, he absolutely had a fit. And we pretty much knew that she kept him in the crib all the time. She, in fact, told the caseworker that, oh, he, he does fine in the, all night long. I just put bottles in the, in the crib. He knows where they're at. <gasps> and I am not even convinced that she took him with her to the hospital when she had the baby because he absolutely screamed and hollered, would go nowhere near that crib. And so I know he spent a lot of time in that at her home. Did he eventually get past that and again attached to you guys? Oh, I think so. I mean, he he has not. I mean, he would never go back into the room with the crib. Mm-hmm. So he started sleeping in our room, you know, in a little small something or in, in bed with us, actually, you know, because we were so happy to have him back. And, you know, just the the look in his eyes when you would try to leave him in a crib. I mean, he just, we, we couldn't do it. So he started sleeping with us and, and he bonded right like we had never been gone. I think, you know, because we had seen him in that mm-hmm. two months time, we'd seen him for, you know, seven different nights and... I think he knew he was home. So Mm -hmm. he was very, and he still is, you know, he's still very clingy and he's almost eight years old and he still, you know, sleeps in our room. Like we have tried for years to, you know, get him to sleep in the room next to us, get him to sleep in the hallway. If he start there and then go into the room and he, he just says, I just don't want to be without you. Oh, that is so sweet and, and breaks my heart too. Right. Because the, I'm, I'm like, you know, everybody's like, just let him cry it out. You know, just put him in there and, you know, let him cry mm-hmm. it out. And I'm like, I can't, because if he ever thought that feeling came back to mm-hmm. him, that he was being neglected again, that would break my heart. And I never want him to ever feel that. So I just look at it, you know, I told him, well, if you're 16 and you have a sleepover, your, your friends are not sleeping in my room. So <laughs> you better fix this before then. <laughs> he will probably grow out of it as he feels safe. But I wonder if he was mad at you, because of course, a little guy doesn't understand that you have to do this. And so maybe in a sense, he felt like you left him. You chose to leave him in this crib. You know, where were you? Why were you not coming back? Thank God it was only that short amount of time. Right. I can't even imagine the damage or the physical harm to him that would have come if it had been any longer. 
Tell us about the new baby. What did you name him? He was called Joseph at the hospital. That's what she had named him. I mean, she had biblical names for them. That's what she told us. And my husband's grandfather was named Joseph. And so we had always wanted Joseph as a name for one of our children anyway. And so it was like perfect that she named him that. So his name was Joseph after Kenny's, my husband's grandfather. And then we put my dad's middle name in there, Joseph Michael. So we just left his name. It it was perfect. And how are the brothers? The biological brothers. You know, they actually aren't as close as Joseph, the little one, is to the oldest boy. So they're each a a year apart. They're six, seven, and eight. And he's not as close to his own brother. They actually fight more than the other two do. Oh, probably because they're closer in age. And it could be. And and Jeremiah has, he's got some, um, I think a teeny tad bit of the reactive detachment. And Mm -hmm. he's also has ADHD, which he's on medication for. So he really plays better by himself mm-hmm. and when they're all playing together he's usually playing on his own where the other two then are playing together and they also are in the same room together because i couldn't ever get jeremiah out so joseph and eli stay in the room together they sleep okay. in the same room and how is bella through all of this you know she's quite remarkable her therapist said either she is just absolutely amazing you know at adjustment in this or she is hiding it all and holding it all in and one day she's going to have problems. She's a typical teenager, but she she hasn't really acted out. You know, she hasn't done mean things. She hasn't, I mean, she's got some stuff in her history that, you know, we're dealing with, but she really, she's really been very good. And, you know, we, we did have her in therapy for a while and then we just, you know, she was doing so well, we pulled her from it. And the therapist said, you know, we feel like she's doing really well and has really adjusted. Does she call you mom and dad? Oh, yes. She does. Yeah, she called me mom right from the start. Like within a week, probably, she called me mom. It took her a while with dad. She didn't have a very good view of men in her life because of her mother's choices of men that she would bring home and the things that she would see and and see happen to her mom. So she was pretty pretty scared of men at that moment. But over time, then she started calling him dad. You are so nice and warm, your personality, <laughs> that I feel like calling you mom myself. <laughs> I mean, you're just meant to be a mother. And I think that you walked into this crazy story that all these kids had and you just embraced it and allowed them to be who they were right. and you know accepted where they came from. And I think that probably helped tremendously in Bella's attachment to you. Tell me about their birth mothers. Do you talk to any of them? We do a little bit. The two little boys, mother, in fact, just texted me yesterday and just she'll text off and on maybe three times a year and just say, how are you and the boys? And I tell her we're doing great, you know, and a few things that we're doing. And and she did have another child and actually got to keep this one. I'm not sure how that happened, but she does have him. He's about five. He does have some mental disabilities. And so I always ask about him and how he's doing. And and then that's it. She just kind of wants to know how we're doing. Every now and then she'll ask me for a picture and I'll, I'm happy to send them to her. She doesn't, you know, have my address or anything. She mm-hmm. just, we, we contact through text or Facebook. What about... The other children. Didn't you say that she had other children that she had placed? She did. The first three of her children were all adopted out to a family in Canyon City. And so she would see them once a year at Christmas. But I don't I don't know if she still has contact with them or not. But we saw her the first Christmas. And then that's the only time. That's the last we've actually seen her. And do you know the siblings? No. No. 
No, so they're separated. Do you think you will one day? Um, I think when the boys are old enough and, and maybe when they start getting curious and go, hey, I have a brother out there or a sister. Where, where, is, where are they? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hide that from them or keep them from it. You know, I think the more educated they are on their situation, then the, the less they will go crazy trying to find right. them and trying to be with them. And we'll just let it or naturally happen. Are you done adopting? Yes. You are. Four is good. <laughs> yes. In fact, my husband, you know, we prayed for kids so long and then we got four kids. And he's like, you know, okay, tell them church ladies, quit quit praying for more kids. <laughs> and then we needed a bigger house. So we prayed and then we got a bigger house. And and so he's like, yeah, I, th- I think we're done because we, we're both older. And so right now, the day that Joseph graduates, which will be, he's in first grade, the day he graduates, we're having two parties. One's going to be his graduation and the other's going to be retirement for my husband. <laughs> so he's like, nope, no more kids. How did your husband do when you had to give Jeremiah back? Uh, he was really hurt, but he he's just, you know, I think trying to be strong for both of us. At that moment, he didn't talk a lot about it. He was, like I said, he was really hurt. But through the years, when we talk about that situation, you know, a little bit more comes out. And, you know, he was, he was pretty devastated. But what can you do? You know, I think he was just trying to be strong and he didn't want to, he wanted to help me through it. So, you know, I think he just kind of tried to hold it all together. Mm-hmm. That would be so hard after a oh. year. So what is your advice for a family who's looking to adopt through the foster care system? First of all, you know, don't go in naive. You always have the chance of kids coming in and out of your home. And the hard part for me, because we have a friend who was like, they wanted to do the same thing. And we only had four kids in our home, really. And we got to adopt all four. That's almost unheard of. Mm, I mean, it is. And we never had to keep one for six months. And then, you know, it went back to mom, you know, other than Jeremiah, which we got back. But we didn't have a lot of kids in and out of our home. So it's hard to know what someone else's situation is going to look like. But, you know, not being naive when you go in and and that you do have rights as a parent, as the adoptive parents, you kind of are led to believe that you don't have a lot of rights. You know, you can't say no to this or you can't stand firm on things that you want or don't want. But we kind of learned that we do have rights, you know, and, and that's why we went to the child placement agency because they are very big believers in the adoptive parents. They really support the adoptive parents through counseling and, you know, educating you. So we felt like they were more telling us, you know, you do have rights, you know, we will help stand up for you. Tell me what you mean by child placement agency. Well, that's, it's an agency that works with all counties. Um, They're not from the state per se, but they did all of our training. They did all of our paperwork. They are the ones that, you know, came out for visitations. Now the state did have their own, which was the child's caseworker. We kind of had our own caseworkers through the CPA. I don't, I don't really know what else to, they're just an, an organization that works with all counties. They're not more on the parent's side, but they're very much in, in favor of the parents. and They try to make it great for you. Okay. So they're an advocate for you. Absolutely. Do you pay them? No. It's free yes. also. Okay. So I would do that. If I was looking to grow my family, I would go through an agency and try to find children that are going to be able to be adopted, right? That you can place in your home that you know this family wants to adopt rather than going through the state or the county where you are facilitating reunification. And that's really your only job. You are there to make sure the mother 
and the child are reunified. And I think that's amazing. I think that's a great job. Don't get me wrong. We need people like that to say, yes, I'm not looking to adopt, but I'm looking to care for children that are in that waiting period while right. mom or dad can provide for this child. I love that. But for those of us who want to extend our family and grow our family and we go into that, it can be very painful because you think you're going to adopt this child and you're not. The child is going to go back home. So in a child placement agency, they are looking for children that are going to be adoptable. They are going to be an advocate for you and they're going to help you through the process. So it sounds like that's exactly what they did and it worked for you. Right. And and they do also have just straight fostering, but we made it up front that we want to have a family. We want permanent. And so I think they kind of vet the children that come to them and go, oh, this one is definitely going back to their house, you know, mm-hmm. or this one is just, they've been out before, but they're going to go home. So they, we told them we really want the more high risk cases that they're not going to want to go home or, or that they're, they have had previous children already taken out, which was the case with the two older children. The mom um, has recently, well, about two years ago had her 10th child and she has none of them. So that was a really good case for us because experience Mm -hmm. and history showed she would not get them back. Right. Not good case. We don't want to say good because it's kind of a horrible story. Right. Right. We want mothers to take care of their children. But when we are wanting to adopt, we obviously want to say yes to children that we can adopt. We want to maybe limit that heartache of having a child in your home and losing a child. And I've been there before. When we were growing our family, we went through the foster care system and it was terrible And I learned so much. I just couldn't believe what was happening in front of my very eyes that this could even be possible. This this child could be placed back with an abusive mother. But, you know, it was what it was. And we learned a lot from that. And so it sounds like you went through that too. Lori, thank you so much for sharing your story. I mean, it's just, people are going to be like, I can't believe that she went back to get this child and got another child. So I'm happy about your four. And you're just a very open person when it comes to talking about real issues, what it's like to adopt and have an interracial family. And people like you and I, we need to stick together in this adoption community. Those of you who are listening, you need a community of people who get it and who understand. And Lori is one of those people. How can people get a hold of you? They can email me at ltaparo, which is my last name, T-A-P-P-A-R-O, at tds.net. If you have any questions about foster care, what it's like to have a interracial family, all those things, Lori can help you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and remember all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning into Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. <music>